Welcome back to U.S. History from the Middle with me, Mrs. Duffy. Today we're starting episode two of our Reconstruction series and picking up where we left off. Last episode we wrapped up with the 14th Amendment and today we're picking right back up with the 14th Amendment and some of the trials of our newly freed slaves in a reconstructed South. In our last episode, we talked about the 14th Amendment, how the 14th Amendment was created after the failures of the Civil Rights Act of 1866, both of which were created to try to fight off the growth of black codes, these segregation discrimination laws that were passed by states in the South to try to keep former slaves in some form of some form of servitude, some form of slavery and keeping former slaves socially down from the rest of society. And one of the big ways that the Black Codes worked was this this use of fear of discrimination, of segregation, and this idea that African-Americans couldn't live or own property in certain towns. So if the town made a law, a black, a, a set of black codes that African-Americans cannot own property uh, or live in the town unless they are working in the town, that way black, black people were not allowed to own property or land in those towns. And for majority of the former slaves, they are farmers their skill is farming, specifically farming cotton. And so there's a there's an issue now is what's happened is you have all of these tens of thousands of slaves, hundreds of thousands of slaves, excuse me, who've been now freed and don't have a job, don't have a house, don't have a place to go don't really know how to be free. So here comes the Freedmen's Bureau. And the Freedmen's Bureau was actually created before the war was even over. In the very tail end, the very ending days of the war, the Freedmen's Bureau was created to help transition former slaves from their life in slavery to now their life as, as freed people. They provided an education, they provided job training, they provided a way to reunite families, helped negotiate contracts, um, hospitals, medical care, um, Black veterans, soldiers who fought in the Civil War received assistance from the Freedmen's Bureau, provided uh, families. This was really the first social workers and social services tailored to African-Americans following the end of slavery. And the Freedmen's Bureau was a real, real, real success, much to the dislike of members of the Ku Klux Klan and people who were trying to keep Black codes effective and to keep African-American families from rising and climbing. 
And one of the ways that African-American families really, really tried to get out of that cycle of poverty and to overcome racism and discrimination, hopefully, was this idea of sharecropping. And sharecropping is complicated. So I'm going to go through it in very small steps and kind of bring everything back. So sharecropping actually goes back to the idea of 40 acres and a mule, if you've heard that phrase before. So what happens in at the tail end of the Civil War, you have a bunch of freed people, refugees whose homes have been destroyed, who the plantation they were living on has been destroyed as General Sherman goes through Atlanta. And so what they, the military does is they order that all these refugees be given 40 acres and a mule. The mule is like a donkey to help them plow the land, work the land. That for all freed families were to get 40 acres of land and a mule in the coastal areas of Georgia and the islands of islands off the coast of Georgia. And this really was the the rallying cry for former slaves, you know, newly freed slaves. I'm going to get my 40 acres and a mule. Mr. Lincoln is going to give me my 40 acres and a mule. And this this is the program to help African Americans, former slaves move themselves forward from servitude into freedom, making their own money, essentially running their own lives. When the war ends, and we'll get to this in a future episode, when the war ends, President Lincoln is, is, is killed. He is assassinated before he is able to see Reconstruction happen. And President Johnson, who is his vice president, President Johnson becomes president after Lincoln is shot. And Johnson is a bit racist. Johnson does not want to see the advancement of former slaves. He is very much going to limit the amount of policies that get passed that are going to help former slaves. And we'll talk about that when we talk about Johnson. But President Johnson, one of the first things he does when he becomes president is he orders that all that land that was given to the refugees of the former slaves be returned to the original owner. And now all of those refugees, all those former slaves are now homeless refugees once again they have no place to go black codes that this is how this is all going to kind of tie in these black codes that we've talked about say in most cities and towns that former slaves can be arrested if they are not working well you took my farm i have no job skills aside from farming the Freedmen's Bureau is not taking on any more job skill training. And so now what do I do? And so sharecropping was an as a way to have former slaves, quote unquote, employed. I'm using air quotes. And a way for plantation owners for, you know, to have their land worked. And what sharecropping did was that instead of working land, instead of working and getting paid to work the land, sharecroppers would rent the land. 
you would get your little square of land on the on that plantation. You and your family would live there and you would work your land. When you worked your land, you paid rent to the owner of the land in crops. So say you you made 100 pounds of cotton and your taxes were 30%. 30% of your cotton, so 30 pounds of that cotton has to go to the plantation owner to pay rent. Well, you used his plow and his mule and his rakes and his cotton gin. So that's another 50 pounds of cotton. So what happens eventually is sharecropping is meant to be a way to save everybody. What it actually really becomes is a way to keep African-Americans in a quote-unquote slavery situation or an indentured servant situation where you can't get out of sharecropping because you keep owing debt. So eventually what happens is that the, the fee for the tools, the taxes for the cotton, it all becomes more than what you are making. So then now you owe the owner, the landowner, extra next year or extra next month. And that's how debt happens. And that's how indentured servitude happens is you're working for your freedom, except that the way this works is that you'll never actually get your freedom because you are constantly just working to pay off the you know your debt in very small increments. So sharecropping part of the black codes cycle and unfortunately not illegal. Sharecropping not protected under the 14th amendment. Sharecropping not protected under the Civil Rights Act because to be honest, guys, I don't know why it wasn't protected, but the small towns and the states, they use black codes and sharecropping to control and to keep African-Americans under thumb, meaning like under control, to not allow them to get too powerful or too wealthy because former slaves outnumber white people in the South and South people white people in the South, excuse me, were intimidated that after all this time that African-Americans were going to take over. They had already earned political positions and significantly more power than they had. And now the idea of having African-Americans be equal to white people earning money alongside white people, owning land next door to white people. White people were going to do just about anything to make sure that that didn't happen. And that's where you get your sharecropping, your black codes. And while I'm not at all saying these were good things, again, this is what our history is. And that's my that is what I do. I teach you history. I tell you the stories of the past to help you make sense of the future, make sense of the present, but hopefully so that we stop repeating the past. The Freedmen's Bureau did all they could to help the, the sharecroppers, and they, they really did try. Freedmen's Bureau 
was a small agency in each state. Each state had its own Freedmen's Bureau that had more more things to do than they had people to do them. So a lot of the times when a sharecropper would show up at their local Freedmen's Bureau and said, hey, can you please read this and explain it to me? Chances are the people at the Freedmen's Bureau were doing the best they could, but didn't get to it in time. And if the sharecropper didn't sign the contract, they were out of a place to live. So a lot of the times sharecroppers sign contracts without having them, you know, looked over and approved by the Freedmen's Bureau, which really sharecroppers contracts aren't, aren't protecting the sharecropper. So the Freedmen's Bureau really, it does try its best to help everybody with everything, but it's, a, it, it's an underfunded agency that has more to do than it has manpower to do it all, if that makes sense. The Freedmen's Bureau ends when Reconstruction ends. The federal government is no longer going to continue paying for the Freedmen's Bureau once Reconstruction is over. The idea is that all African-Americans at that point should have assimilated in some way, shape, or form. The last thing I want to talk to you about are carpetbaggers. And finally, carpetbaggers are the last issue we're going to talk about as far as the problems of Reconstruction are concerned. And carpetbaggers are a, a big problem that influence Reconstruction in a big way. So a carpetbagger is a northerner who comes to the south carrying their carpet bag. A carpet bag was a bag that looked like, that was made out of old scraps of, of rugs. And it looked like, you know, if your grandma has one of those old rugs, you know what I'm talking about. That's what a carpet bag was. And so carpet baggers were northerners who packed all their junk up in a bag and they came to the South. And they took advantage of the instability in the South. And they took advantage of the fact that Former Confederate leaders couldn't run for political office. So they came, they bought some land, they bought a house, and they ran for political office. They took, <clears throat> they opened businesses, businesses that, that Southerners couldn't afford to keep running. Northerners would come down with money, take over the business, and they would run it. So now Southerners are not making money. This money is going all into these carpetbaggers' pockets. And the real issue about carpetbaggers is that they influence the way Reconstruction looks in the South. So for a lot of what happens in the South during Reconstruction, being influenced by these carpetbaggers, Southerners are not buying into it. Southerners are not able to rebuild their, their, their region. They're not able to rebuild the South successfully because they have all these outside influences coming in and you have you know carpetbaggers coming in and taking advantage of broke confederates who couldn't pay their taxes so now these carpetbaggers are buying their land for cheap and they're taking advantage of share of sharecroppers and they are really 
creating this storm of, of problems because they're influencing the way reconstruction happens, the way reconstruction goes, the way it ends. And reconstruction, it's not going well. And there's no way around it. So in conclusion about our reconstruction po problems and policies, reconstruction is a failure. If you look at it from a strictly geographical, political point of view, yes, does it reunite North and South into one nation? Absolutely. But for every other reason, Reconstruction fails. Reconstruction fails to integrate the South, rather, instead it segregates the South. Discrimination. It, it may have legally ended slavery, but you have sharecropping, you have black codes, you have other ways of keeping an entire race of people down and not allowing them to be equal. Reconstruction is a failure on so many levels. And we're going to talk about the ways that Reconstruction could have succeeded and should have succeeded in our next episode. Have a good day.